Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Wednesday, November 4th. We begin with the latest on the U.S. election, which is still in limbo. First, we speak with Mike Armstrong, Global News National Correspondent, reporting from Pennsylvania. Then we head to Washington to catch up with Reggie Cicchini, Global News Washington Correspondent. We ask Reggie about the timeline ahead and when we might see a decisive winner. Next, with COVID-19 case numbers continuing to rise, we speak with Sarah Offen, Global Calgary Reporter. Sarah brings us the details of Dr. Dina Hinshaw's press conference from Tuesday afternoon, where the doctor expressed her great concern about the upward trend in the province. And finally, it's a Cal- Calgary-based clothing line that features a retro look at local icons of years gone by. We speak with one of the creators behind Sea of Dead. 642 now and uh, the ballots are still being counted for the 2020 U.S. presidential election but we've got some reaction on the initial count this morning we're joined by Global's Mike Armstrong who is stationed in Pennsylvania one of America's swing states. Good morning to you Mike. Good morning. Did you get much sleep at all last night? <laughs> <laughs> not, not not a whole lot, but luckily our live location and where I'm speaking to you from right now is only uh, six floors from uh, where I slept, so I didn't have far to go. That's a good thing. <laughs> I assume that uh, they're up bright and early down in the U.S. And, and the counting has begun in earnest yet again today? Yeah, actually here in uh, Philadelphia, they... Apparently, they didn't stop counting, but they stopped giving results. Uh, They're going to give results again at six, uh, excuse me, at 9 a.m. So we can expect some numbers uh, fairly soon. Donald Trump uh, has that lead right now in Pennsylvania, a fairly considerable one. So what makes the Biden campaign confident it still has a chance to win? Yeah, well, when Joe Biden went through the states last night when he was speaking to the media, uh, the states that he felt he was still competitive in, he left out Pennsylvania. He said outright, we're going to win this state. And that's because of where the still uncounted ballots are coming from and when they arrived. A lot of them are, are mail-in ballots, and we know the Democrats have been pushing their supporters uh, for weeks to vote that way. So it's expected those votes, as they're counted, will skew towards Biden. And there are a lot of ballots that are still outstanding in Democratic-leaning counties. So here around Philadelphia, you've got Delaware County, only 74% of polls reporting, Montgomery County, 77 Philadelphia County, only 56 And in Pittsburgh, for example, Allegheny, County, 70% of polls, only 70% reporting, but they have 49% of early ballots uncounted. So that's 121,000 ballots uh, still to be counted just in that county. So as more of those counties report, Biden's numbers are going to go up. Those are very populous counties. Uh, and there are some places where Donald Trump is still waiting for votes in Republican-leading counties, but they're smaller. That said, they are going to sort of tamp down some of the Biden gains that will come in the days in the coming few days. Is that different from other states? Like, why is it so complicated in Pennsylvania? Yeah, this is the first year this state has had no excuse voting. So in past elections, voters needed to actually um, ask for a mail-in ballot and give a reason, not so in this election. So they jumped from only 290,000 people who voted early in 2016 to 2.5 million this time around. So they've also had some growing pains. It wasn't easy. There was a ton of fighting over sort of how to go to this new system. Among the things that they've already gone to court over and may go back over, uh, there's a three-day window where postmarked ballots arriving after election day can be counted. So right up until Friday at 5 p.m. Uh, they did away with the condition that signatures match what's on file. So the, the signature on the envelope and the one they have on file, there was sort of a recognition that people don't always sign the 
same way. So they said, you know what, we're not going to do that. Uh, and the last one, this is probably the most controversial. Uh, if the postmark is on doubt, on in, excuse me, in doubt on the envelope, say it's smudged and you can't say if it says November 3rd or 4th, they're going to give the benefit, benefit of the doubt to the voter. Uh, that's one you can expect Republicans to fight over. For the million-dollar question, you referenced Friday. You said in the coming days, do we have any timeline on when we will see a conclusion in Pennsylvania? The Secretary of State has been saying literally for days, expect most of the ballots in Pennsylvania to be counted uh, by late in the day on Friday. So she's been setting us up uh, to wait. And uh, the governor put out a video last night saying, please be patient. Then he had a press conference to say, please be patient. And then the Secretary of State had another press conference to say, please be patient. So they are begging people to please wait until they have all of the votes counted. And it really is because of uh, where they came from and when they're arriving. Someone probably needs to tell Donald Trump to be patient as well. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be watching uh, the vote count both in Pennsylvania and the other states that we're still waiting to hear from as well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. That is Global's Mike Armstrong in Pennsylvania. Maybe by Friday. Cross your fingers mm. if you're a watcher of that election. 8-11 now and no clear winner yet in the U.S. presidential election. And this morning, election law experts are trying to set the record straight after Donald Trump made quite the statement and set fact checkers into overdrive late last night. With all the details, we're joined this morning by Global's Washington correspondent, Reggie Cicchini. Hi, Reggie. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Busy, busy day and night for you, no doubt. But uh, Donald Trump's statement early in the morning, that certainly has uh, the law experts speaking out now today, don't they? It does, and he's continuing that narrative seven minutes ago, putting out a tweet saying, quote, last night I was leading often solidly in many key states in almost all instances, Democrat run and controlled. Then one by one, they started to magically disappear as surprise ballot dumps were counted. And we need to to put something into context here. Uh, key states are the states that President Trump is talking about, like the Midwestern states, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, uh, Minnesota, and surprise ballot dumps we're not count we're not we're not happening this was provisional ballots that were mailed in and republican legislatures inside these states did not allow for them to be count ahead of time so in-person counts were done first then the mail-in ballots started to come in the president has a fundamental misunderstanding of the electoral process that put him in power four years ago four years later reggie you know ahead of uh, yesterday and the, the big day to get on out there and make those votes count we heard about the paths to victory that each candidate had to take and i'm sure those have shifted uh, since we do have uh, the results from last night obviously not a complete result what are the paths now that each candidate is looking uh, you know toward perhaps to be victorious Looking at Joe Biden right now, Arizona is nearly ready to be called for Joe Biden. 98% of all estimated votes are reported. Joe Biden leads it. He needs Arizona, Nevada, which could be called for Joe Biden. He needs Wisconsin, which could be called for Joe Biden. And he needs Michigan, which could be called for Joe Biden. Mm. That would secure Joe Biden uh, a victory with 270 electoral college votes and not even put Pennsylvania into the math. President Trump is still banking on Georgia, banking on North Carolina, banking on Pennsylvania. But then he needs to win either Wisconsin or Michigan and both of them right now are leaning towards Joe Biden because of the sheer number of provisional ballots that are coming in that lean Democratic. Interesting that uh, Florida did go to Trump. That was one in the polls that it looked like Biden might be able to uh, flip this time around, but not the case. 
Not the case. Uh, it, it, it oftentimes comes down to it looks like a Democrat's going to win and then the Republicans take it. But remember, Joe Biden was leading in Florida for a slight bit in the last couple of weeks of polling, but within the margin of error. And this is really important. All of the key battleground states had Joe Biden winning in a margin of error, meaning if he lost it by a slight amount, like in Florida, 51-47, that was within the margin of error. So the polls were correct, much like we're seeing in the upper Midwest and down through Arizona, all margin of error battles, and all of them were correctly predicted by the polls. Mm. Reggie, do we have any indication on how long it will take to count these mail-in ballots that are were told in the millions? Nevada says that they are not going to release any more results until tomorrow uh, morning. So that's going to be something we wait for. Wisconsin and Michigan say that they should have the rest of their counts by today. Pennsylvania has three days after the election to try and get all through all of the votes that President Trump has been pushing back on. So Pennsylvania could take a couple of days. It could take through Friday. North Carolina even can take upwards of 12 days to count some of theirs. So we could have a winner by the end of today. We could have a winner by the end of the week. We're also watching Georgia. There are hundreds of thousands of ballots in and around Atlanta that have been delayed from being counted. This leaves Georgia potentially still a grab for Democrats. What about, Reggie, the House, the Senate, any change there? How do we, I find the American political system quite confusing. So how does that shape up? So Republicans did significantly better than they thought they were going to, both in the House and the Senate. There was a there was a risk that Democrats were going to take control of the Senate. It looks like that path has been whittled down to next to nothing, and the Democrats may actually lose a Senate seat after all is said and done. Republicans in the House doing much better than they anticipated, uh, and this really could pose problems for Nancy Pelosi's leadership position, uh, simply because Democrats thought they had this in the bag, and here they are out behind. They lost a number of, of, of up set races last night uh they will keep control of the house with a smaller number uh and and this could spell problems for them not just you know looking for a new leader potentially but two years down the road in the next election uh this could be something that that the voters remember you know it was a Good to see everybody was civil, uh, didn't see any violence or any, you know, rioting yesterday, uh, but uh, still could be a distinct possibility if this drags on for days. Look, it is a possibility. Uh, we didn't see much last night. You know, I was out in front of the White House for seven or eight hours last night, and we saw a couple of skirmishes. There were a couple of arrests. We didn't have anything uh, big and, and kind of confrontational like we saw a few months ago. Uh, but if President Trump continues with this messaging, like he's saying on Twitter, like he said uh, very early this morning, that could inflame these tensions around the country. Everyone is still uh, kind of sitting on edge, politically exhausted and emotionally charged, uh, and, and anything could set something off. Uh, so we'd still have law enforcement agencies on the ready in case something happens. Well, we'll be watching it play out for sure south of the border. Thanks always for your update. Appreciate your time this morning, Reggie. Thank you. That is Reggie Cicchini, Global's Washington correspondent. 8.42 on the morning news and Dr. Dina Hinshaw and Mayor Nahed Nenshi are offering words of caution as Calgary's COVID-19 cases continue to climb. Global News reporter Sarah Offen joins us now with more. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, Andrew. The actual quote from Dr. Dina Hinshaw was, this is not good news. That was her quote as she released these numbers. Can you break down the four-day total for us? Sarah? Yeah, yeah. So what we're looking at, we've got twenty over 2,200 uh, new cases here in Alberta that have happened since Friday. So we're looking at an average of 567 cases a day. uh, And that is certainly not good news for us. It sounded like we were getting, uh, as you mentioned, almost a bit bit of a scolding from mom there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw taking on a very different tone in her update yesterday. 
So active cases increasing by nearly a thousand over four days. Uh, yet the mayor yesterday saying that he in Alberta thinks we could see a thousand cases per day by the end of this week. Absolutely. And, you know, we spoke with an epidemiologist on Global News this morning uh, talking about uh, just how how much of a strain this could put on our healthcare system. We know that ICU numbers lag behind in terms of uh, after those new case numbers come out. So it's going to be telling in the next uh, couple of weeks, not only if we're able to get these uh, new case numbers under control, but also the effect that it's going to have on our healthcare system. Sarah, days before Halloween, we were put under the same restrictions, uh, both Calgary and Edmonton, of gatherings in person, indoors of 15 people or less. Uh, Have you had any indication uh, from Dr. Hinshaw or the mayor, for that matter, that we could see some further restrictions in place? Yeah, so at this point, they're still waiting to see how uh, those new restrictions affect our data. That isn't available just yet because it hasn't been in place quite long enough. So they're waiting to see what that looks like. But Dr. Dina Hinshaw has also sort of hinted uh, that if we continue to see the trends that we are seeing now, we could have some new restrictions come in place as early as this week. And we know that their focus very much has been on small social gatherings. They say that is where uh, most of the spread has happened. So it will be very interesting to see whether or not new restrictions come into place and exactly what that looks like. And those gatherings too could relate to what's happening in our own family homes, right? As Dina Hinshaw talked about, you know, transmission coming from family members infecting each other and had some recommendations on that front too. Exactly. And, And so how do you enforce that kind of thing? How do you enforce, you know, whether or not somebody is socializing with the rest of their family if, if they've got uh, if they have symptoms that are related to COVID-19 mm-hmm. these things are so hard to control and uh, and obviously a very uh, difficult virus to contain and uh, there's proof in the numbers here this week in that not that it brought us any comfort here in the city but Edmonton was leading the charge with new cases that was until the past handful of days are, are we pretty much caught up to the city of, of Calgary of the same as Edmonton at this point when it comes to bringing the new cases to light Yeah, the numbers are very close now. I mean, over the summer, we saw Edmonton's numbers sort of shoot up. We know that, you know, a university city, there's a lot of young people there. And and so we saw those uh, spiking cases, especially in the younger demographics. Now we've got everybody that, uh, of course, is moving inside because of the colder weather. So I think that it's uh, affecting people on a, a larger scale right now. And certainly Calgary is feeling the effects of that. And Dr. Dina Hinshaw mentioning that she is very concerned about what she's seeing in Calgary right now. Thanks so much for the update, Sarah. Appreciate your time. You're so welcome. Have a good morning. You too. That is Sarah Offen, Global News reporter. And, uh, you know, with in terms of the, if you've got COVID in the house, Dr. Hinshaw yesterday, Andy, saying, you know, if there are any symptoms at all, isolate whatever family member that is in a separate bedroom with a separate bathroom. And if that's not possible, have that person wear a mask or everybody wear a mask as much as possible. Disinfect the high touch areas in the house and have that person eat alone. I mean, you've got to pretend like it's somebody, you know, out in the maybe work or wherever. Just kind of keep everybody as separate as possible so you're not spreading it through the entire family. And we've talked a lot about the numbers, but the grim stat I don't think we brought up was that we had an additional... 15 deaths over that four-day period uh, spanning Friday straight through till uh, Monday. We got to get this under control, Calgary. 7.50 on the morning news, and uh, this is very interesting. A fashion flashback with a hyper-local focus. 
Sea of Dead Clothing features iconic Calgary sports franchises and businesses that are no longer operating, from the Calgary Cannons, the Boomers Soccer Club, and even Lloyd's Roller Rink. With details on the clothing line, we're joined by Ryan Williamson, co-owner and creative lead behind Sea of Dead. Good morning to you, Ryan. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. Ryan, uh, how did this idea come to life? Um, well, the idea came to life um, with my two partners, um, John and Garrett. Um, I know that they were looking for Calgary Cannons uh, merchandise online and were unable to find anything. So they decided to create the clothing line with um, the Calgary Cannons brand. So talk to us a little bit about whether, you know, are these the legit logos for all of these? Because you've got, you've got soccer, you've got basketball, you've got all things Calgary, Stampede Wrestling, the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> I love it. So are these the legit logos? Did you have to battle for those? Um, the Calgary Cannons, we actually own the copyrights to. Um, the logos such as Stampede Wrestling um, and the Cecil Hotel were actually uh, created off of... Um, Old programs, Stampede Wrestling was done from old programs. Um, the Cecil Hotel was actually done from old photographs of the neon sign. And the Lloyd's Roller Rink was actually used um, from a sign that used to be on the front of the building. Very awesome. cool. Yeah. I'm wondering, is there a favorite Calgary throwback? What are you seeing flying off the shelves? What do Calgarians want to represent from the past? Uh, well, recently it's been the Corral shirts for us. Uh, as you probably know, that building is coming down. And I think there's a lot of uh, heritage and history, especially um, with people my age, which is the 40 plus. There's a lot of people that saw their first hockey game in that building. So I think there's a lot of um, nostalgia that goes with that. More logos, more offerings to come, Ryan? Many more logos, many more offerings to come. Um, Myself, I have probably 10 ideas in my head that I want to do. Uh, those kind of have to be weeded out, but there, there are plenty more ideas down the road. Love it. Long lost logos on clothing and uh, great memories for Calgarians for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good stuff. And Christmas is coming up. We can hop online to C. That's the letter C of dead.ca. Thanks for your time, Ryan. Yeah, anytime. Have a good day, guys. That is Ryan Williamson, co-owner and creative lead of C of Dead.